Hey, alright! And welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation about music. And our conversation this week is with Tony Molina. Been a couple big weeks for the West Bay Midwest Connection. All day, baby. Tony Molina, one of the best in the world, and he's back on the show. Thank you for joining us this week. Thank you to Namdi for our intro music, Marcus Nuccio for our graphics. Each week, you can see all those on our website, betteryetpod.com. Invite you all to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. You can follow us on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. How we doing? A wild week over here at Better Yet HQ. Good kinds of busy. Y'all, I do three of these podcasts each week, and we are hustling on As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Me and David Anthony holding it down. Road to the Skeleton Coast with Brendan Kelly. I'm in temporary office number two in our house. In Valparaiso, Jay and I were painting our bedroom, which took some time because we wanted to actually do a good job. So we're finally sleeping in our bedroom, which is upstairs. And Bubba's the difference between sleeping in a half basement room and an upstairs room has been so significant. Just getting sunlight in the morning, especially now as we get closer to the solstice. Hope everyone's got their gnomons ready. Seriously, though, one of the coolest things I've ever seen, I was thinking about this earlier this week. A couple years ago, Jamie and I were in Ireland visiting my parents. We saw the Phil Linnet statue. Shout out Tony Molina. Um, and we went to this place called Newgrange, which is this tomb that was built in 3200 BC, so before the pyramids, before Stonehenge, this big circular tomb made of giant stones. No one knows where the stones came from, and the entrance is lined up to catch the first bit of sunlight on the morning of the winter solstice. How they measured it, calculated the build, no one's sure. This is 2500 years before Pythagoras or Euclid. Stuff is fascinating. These weirdos on a cosmic plane. A weird level. I think my quarantine weirdness is starting to show a bit. But uh, to tie it to rock and roll, uh, what do you think Astral Weeks was about? Bad example. Of all people, Van Morrison... And Eric Clapton, who could have seen that one coming? No, someone, someone who really taps into that plane, though, musically, has songs that explore that element of thought. Judy Sill, loping along through the cosmos, sun sifting through the gray, enter in, reach me with a ray. It's a great Judy Sill quote that I sent to Tony Molina, I remember a couple months back. Asked of her musical influences, Judy Sill said, Bach, Ray Charles, and Pythagoras. Oh! My interviewing influences are Carl Jung, Colt Cabana, and Stockhausen. This podcast has a Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. We got playlists, like this week's Rod Stewart playlist called Rod Stewart chaotic neutral we got others from friends like tony molina and mikey erg chris sutter from meatwave we also offer an exclusive bit of content each week that comes directly from our guests who also receive a share of the revenue from our patreon each month proceeds from our patreon are split equally between the show our guests and organizations chosen by our guests if you pledge to our patreon this week you will be supporting Better Yet, and you'll be supporting Tony. We're a podcast that pays our guests for their time. You can pledge $3 a month, kind of like you're leaving us a tip, or you can pledge $10 a month, which will gain you access to exclusive content from me 
and from our guests this week. Oh, Bubba's. We got the goods this week. It's a cover of 14 Cheerleader Cold Front by Guided by Voices as performed by Tony Molina and Rose Melberg from their upcoming split, which is coming out in early 2021 on 650 Tapes. There's only one place you can hear this between now and when the tape comes out, and that's on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. We're also sending portions of the Patreon this week to fill hotels, not graves. This is an action put together by the Village of Oakland, East Oakland Collective, and Love and Justice in the Streets. They've launched a program of community funding that they've put together to help move 31 black elders, veterans, families with children, and particularly immune, vulnerable folks into hotel rooms across Oakland during this time. We're also sending money this week to Our Trans Home SF. Our Trans Home SF is the first transitional housing program specifically for transgender and gender nonconforming adults experiencing homelessness and housing instability in San Francisco. My guest this week, the one and only, Tony Molina. Tony is one of my favorite living musicians. I've been such a fan of his work since my dude Vince Aguilar sent me a link to a blogspot address, peelsonwheels.blogspot.com. This band, Ovens, this dude, Tony Molina, who would go on to release a record called Distant Dismissed that really took off. I interviewed Tony in 2016. It's one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done. And I'm really grateful to say that now Tony and I have become friends since. And he's always turning me on to great music. And he's released some stellar records since that first interview, Kill the Lights in 2018. And last year's Songs from San Mateo County, which came out on Smoking Room Samuelito Cruz's label. And those two are also in Healer fantastic West Bay power violence band who put out an EP this year on Smoking Room and 65 Thrashcore. Little behind the scenes, there was a different plan for an interview this week, but we had a very last minute scheduling change. Tony came in to pinch hit at the 11th hour, and as always, it was so fun to spend time talking with him. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Bandcamp. We'll be back next week. For now, here's me and Tony Molina. But that that fucking that seven inch though is holy shit. Yeah, man, it came out pretty good, man. We went to bar. We did it real traditional style. You know, we went to the same studio that all those bands recorded all their old shit, you know, in the 90s, you know. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to kind of bring back the West Bay a little bit. It doesn't, like, sound-wise, it doesn't sound like um, the, the old West Bay stuff that much because all that stuff is so unique, you know. It, you yeah. know, you can't, it's hard to emulate bands like No Less and Plutocracy and stuff. Uh, they have their own crazy inventive style with guitar playing and song structure and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, but we're definitely trying. We're we're definitely ch- like it's kind of like our version of our version of kind of trying to bring that shit back a little bit because because you know that shit that type of music is hella slept on and hella uh, it's never been given the props it deserves. All those bands, all that music, and that's our favorite shit. I grew up on that stuff and. Mm-hmm. you know that's still my favorite style like um you know people are stupid people like whack bands instead of the sick shit you know that's always been a thing <laughs> you know what i mean you know oh, fucking it's trash been a thing. <laughs> you know how many fucking trash hardcore there is in the bay and the fucking sick ass shit never gets the real props and it it's cool though because in a sense it keeps it our thing and it keeps it more underground in a way uh you know that like a lot of the sick ass bands from here don't get the hype train don't get the internet bullshit it's just 
you know, a lot of people forget about all the fucking bomb ass bands that are from here. Like the town I live in now, Concord, there was a band from here like a 10, 10, 10, 12 years ago or so called Migraine. And they were like the shit. They were like the sickest band. I remember Migraine, yeah. Yeah, they were sick, dude. They had like three, seven inches, man. My friend, uh, my friend Sean was the drummer. And uh, I think he also played guitar in that band too for a minute. This dude, Dan, was the singer. It's like all these guys, like these old, old, East Bay guys, and uh, yeah, people don't even talk about migraine anymore. And my fr- our our friend's other band, E. Coli, they uh-huh. were around at the same time, and they were legendary band. People don't really talk about that shit anymore because people are up their own fucking asses, man. Everyone's just trying to fucking play like just fucking garbage whack. And there's a lot of transplants too, so I think that's one of the other reasons why people aren't really repping um, mm-hmm. because they don't want to rep some shit that's actually from from here. Oh shit, it's not working again. They don't want to rep some shit that's actually from here. Instead, they want to rep whatever their shit is about, which is just gents fire transplant fucking fake ass fucking bullshit. You know, I mean, it's always been for it's always been interesting to me, like the um, the way that 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 whole scene, all those bands, plutocracy, spaz. Um, I feel like there's a like cursory knowledge of like, oh yeah, that there was like power violence happening in San Francisco, but it doesn't have that like collected energy of like, here's everything that was going on. Here's like when it was popping the way that, you know, historically credit like that is given to like DC and uh, Boston, New York. Yeah. That's, that's the thing about the Bay area is that, I mean, I feel like the East Bay has always been a lot more unified. And I think like, the, like a lot of the, the the original hardcore that came out of the East Bay is pretty legendary. It definitely influenced the West Bay sound a lot, like early Neurosis mm-hmm. and bands like Christ on Parade and um, Corrupted Morals and stuff like that. All that shit had a really big influence on the West Bay. And the East Bay kind of always had its own sound and it was always pretty celebrated. Like, you know, none of those bands are obscure by any means. Um, Whereas the West Bay, I think it was too weird for people. I also think people were afraid of the people who made the music. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like sure. their reputation and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's just, a, it's classic Bay Area stuff and it never really got the props. Like Maximum Rock and Roll never gave any shine and no less. And it's mm-hmm. funny too. It's like, it's like, I feel like Maximum Rock and Roll kind of like prided themselves on being like really open and being like supported, you know, people of color playing punk and things like that. But it's just like, all in no less was Latino fools. You know, there was like one white fool in it, and which was uh-huh. Stinkweed. And that, that dude is basically Latino to me. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's just like, I don't know, it's hypocritical. It's like pick and choose what's tight kind of thing. But the thing is, any magazine that started by Tim, Tim Yohannan is never going to be sick because that guy fucking sucks. So they kind of like started, they, they kind of started on a bad note with that dude because he was like this gentrifier, like, hippie dude who like just basically told young kids what to do he started the magazine on clipper street which is where my grandma and my grandfather lived and my great-grandparents used to live at that house too mm-hmm. and uh so he was on that block when i was like four years old i should have rolled up on him and been like hey fool you're not from here fool you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? but but as far as you know but that's the other thing about the bay area though man it's like a lot of people aren't from here so you know to foster like a scene it was, it's kind of up to the people that you know, the people that don't get any props and the people that come from these smaller sort of suburban towns, those are the people usually in sick-ass banks. And those, and those people support yeah. themselves. They put out their own records, put on their own shows. And that's true DIY to me. Uh, it's, not like we need, it's not like any of us needed Maximum Rock. I love Maximum Rock and Roll, by the way. I mean, I, I wrote for Maximum Rock and Roll for a couple of years. And I love the people that I met when I was there. Like, since uh-huh. I was a kid, you know, I'd go to the house. But... um. So, you know, I'm not really trying to slag MR that much, but it is true what I'm saying. I mean, anyone would agree like that. You know, I mean, that's the magazine I was like, Agnostic Front is bad, Born Against is good. It's yeah, like, sure. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things It's like, all right, dude, I don't like Born Against. I think they fucking suck. But like, um, I know I'm in the minority with that. Uh-huh. But, um, <clears throat> but Agnostic Front is pretty all across the board, like great. You know what I mean? And For Tim sure. Hannon, Tim Yohannan calling them Nazis back in the day. It's like, man, this was Latino fool. Like English isn't even this first fool. This like this dude's like first. It's just it was uh. just like uh, it you know it 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 was a lot of uh, 
it was like this dude trying to create this like fake universe for himself because he himself was not really like a uh, he didn't come from punk or metal. He was like some idealistic, like kind of like college educated uh, hippie guy. And he would do things like Chris Dodge from Spaz. Uh, he would like edit Chris Dodge's like top tens, like for the magazine. Like he would, um, Chris Dodge put Morbid Angel in one of his top tens once. And he was like, you have to take that out because I hate metal. It's like, dude, mm. Morbid Angel, come on. Come mm. on. Mm. <laughs> Dude, Tony, it's uh, you know shit like that. Yeah, it's great to it's great to have you on this podcast uh, in this particular instance. As we uh, decided to do it yesterday, you fucking you saved my ass, and also with who bailed like, on you? So, someone bailed uh, on you. Right? It, it's it's all right. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we could talk. We could talk about it later, but it's it's cool. Um, I fit, you know, I, I'm like, all right, I need, I need somebody for this week. And also, in my opinion, you're like a tantamount podcast guest. Not only are you a homie, and not only are you a living legend, but damn, you're just you, you're the type of you're the type of entertainment that I think that that makes this this program special. Ah, well, thanks, man. Shit. Appreciate it. Always good to talk to you, man. I mean, I don't really like to do press and stuff. So like when a homie hits me up to do like a radio show or something, I'm, I'm always game because it's like, that's like the, the press I will do because otherwise you just answer questions for some fucking dickhead website from some gentrifier idiot that you don't know asking you dumbass questions like, how long have you lived in uh, Oakland? I'm like, I've never lived in Oakland, you weirdo. What are you talking about? <laughs> Oh, for real though, man, like the whole press thing when you put out records, man, that shit fucking blows, dude. Hate doing that shit. Yeah. Talking to some stranger about fucking. It's like, dude, if you don't know who No Less is, dude, I have nothing to say to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's my shit, dude. I don't fucking. I'm not going to talk to some some weird ass fool who's just fucking on some like, like dickhead website, like some fucking pitchfork or whatever the fuck. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't look, man, I don't know anyone who looks at that shit, man. That shit's fucking weird. That's like gentrifier shit, dude. No riffs, no fucking riffs. Anytime they try to write about punk or hardcore, it's always hella cringy. It's always some new jack mm-hmm. who doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. Mm-hmm. You have to be a special type of dickhead to write for some type of fucking website like that. Man. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying the people dude, I grew up around yeah. are not like that, you know? Totally. I feel like there's, I mean, I, I liked writing about music when I when I did, and I got I got a lot of good friends who are who are involved in that world. I think that like what what ha- what's happened is that the the ideal state of like what you would want to do in writing about music has just it's so far removed from like the actuality of it, and it's just getting I don't know more and more homogenized. So I think I think. I'd side on the like they're definitely good people who are in there for the fucking right reasons. Um but yeah, dude, it's it's a weird it's a weird weird thing that it's become. I mean, I, I got friends who like wrote for like like do zines and shit and all that shit is bomb as hell. Like music writing is sick if it's like in a zine or something. Mm-hmm. I just don't know why these fools would go to these fucking whack ass publications and shit, you know? Like oh yo, I'm gonna pitch this. I'm gonna pitch this to Pitchfork or whatever. It's like, dude, why, bro? Like, just fucking do a sick ass scene like a regular person, you know? Dude, totally. <laughs> and like, like yeah. talking to Samuelito last week, and yeah. he's he's just saying, you know, just fucking follow the label. We put out something once a month. It all comes from this world. It's all like good people involved. It's all different, but. You yeah. get, you, I don't know, you, you get so much more out of it. And like speaking to someone like you in particular, like you're so fucking ingrained in San Francisco, in the West Bay, whether it's uh, hardcore or fucking Latino uh, roots and the fucking yeah. rock and roll that was happening happening in the 60s yeah. and the 70s. Yeah. Like yeah. that that's a fucking... That's a world, and I feel like the 
what what gets taken away in like larger publications is the fact that like yo this exists like in a place it's influenced by like people's surroundings yeah and you can't really communicate that yeah yeah i mean i know i know i tend to be kind of uh i think people think i'm just like yo if you're not from the bay fuck you or whatever but I, i'm not really like that i mean that's it like you know <clears throat> it's just because the Bay Area has been so ravaged by the gentrification and things like that. I think most people that are actually from here have to deal with a lot of bullshit. And so we tend to be a little bit more like a defensive when it comes to stuff like that. But I mean, dude, my, my favorite uh, Bay Area band currently is from Orange County. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like it's not, it, it isn't that black and white, you know what I mean? Like I, I just think like, I mean, I'm all for good music uh, coming out of here. I mean, I, I support, I mean, I kind of have particular tastes, but when I do like something, I love it. And I like, you know, do my best to support it in every way I can, you know, try to help out my friends' bands and mm. all that stuff. It doesn't matter if you're from here or not. It just, it just, if you're a good person and, you know, ethically you're like, you know, solid um, and, you know, you just bring good music to the Bay, like by all means, man, fucking move here, you know, <laughs> because, yeah, you know, totally. I mean, I feel like, you know, right. I mean, the last few years it's been great, but I mean, over the years, uh, uh, good music, good bands and things like that. It's kind of few and far between sometimes, mm -hmm. especially with hardcore and stuff. But, um, but yeah, man, it's all kinds of bomb stuff. You know, like a lot of my favorite bands in San Francisco right now are hella not from San Francisco, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, yeah. so it's it's it, it's just how it is. It's, you just got to get used to it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Aside from Healer, um, have you been have you been busy writing? You always writing? Yeah, I, I've slowed down a lot, but since COVID happened, it, I just haven't felt that motivated. You know, yeah. I, I still. I still practice guitar every day, not as much as I should. Um, yeah, it's just kind of a weird, not very, uh, it's hard to get in the mood to just want to fucking riff, I guess. And, you know, I got some cool bomb ass recording equipment now, but it kind of just sits there. I haven't really felt, I haven't really felt like, uh, you know, hitting that shit and doing demos. I kind of put it off. Like, mm -hmm. I guess I'm just trying to, mellow out as much as i can because it's just such a weird time i guess yeah, it's man. funny because everyone thought well if you have to if you have to stay inside all day for for an entire year like you're probably writing hella songs i'm like kind of wish i was but not really i still fuck around every day which is that's how songs happen but yeah um i i feel like there's when you take out that just the fucking basic interaction when you're like fully self-driven and you don't have like time that you spend like playing with other people or just like being fucking around other people. Um, right. It's like when you don't have much to react to, like, what do you, what are you going to do? I'm sure that you're learning a lot of fucking cool chords, like listening to some of the right. music that you <clears throat> sent me for the, for that mix. Cause that shit like, yeah, yeah, for sure. For all sure. those like Holly songs and like, the honey yeah, bus yeah, shit. Man. I'm like, what is yeah. this? Yeah, dude, honey bus is they they're like the most underrated band ever. They're they're so incredible and like yeah, you know, you never really hear about them or anything. You know, they definitely seem like a band that like a lot of people would know about if they were in like a soundtrack for like a fucking Wes Anderson movie or some type of shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But not AK from the ovens told me about them. He got like the OG LP, like that that record story. Mm -hmm. which goes for a lot of money i think uh, yeah he was like dude you have to check this shit out and then and then and then uh max from ovens uh he showed me the colin hair record which is like the dude from honey bus is like solo record uh yeah like listen to that i think uh-huh and that shit is fucking that's just also incredible like like damn these guys are like really 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 good like it's like exceptionally good i mean like, mm -hmm. I, I like their shit more than I like, you know, like, Badfinger and stuff, you know? I mean, Badfinger fucking rules, don't get Bad me wrong. Badfinger does rule. I feel like the, maybe <clears throat> the thing with, like, a band like Honeybus is that, you know, if Graham Nash was in that band, we'd know about Honeybus. Right, right. 
or if they were on like Apple or something. Yeah. Or if they were on like Immediate or one of the one of the cool labels or something for sure. Um, they're exactly. yeah. I mean, uh, but yeah, more people should listen to them because they're fucking incredible, man. I listen to them like pretty much every day. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just chilling. I, it's just like it's it's hard to be bummed when you listen to them yeah it's it's funny that you well not funny because i brought it up this we're here because i put us here tony um well when, yeah. when we talked in in 2016 you were you just put out uh confront the truth and right. you were talking a lot about 60s bands and the and the influence there because when when that record came out it was like okay cool like harrison uh big star and yeah now that oh is that a dude that integrity hat is fucking oh, this? oh my god <laughs> man i I've, i got made fun of by wearing this hat a couple times man you're sa- you're safe a- here bubba <laughs> a lot of a lot of people a lot of people cannot fucking stand them because this dude's kind of a clown but i just love those early records so much man yeah that shit was like life changing for me man you know the mm-hmm. early integrity still like the first like five or so man i love i still love that shit i'll listen to that shit for the rest of my life man. dude i'll i'll, I'll pull out classic, my integrity man, classic, t-shirt classic, classic. Uh, if i remember when i didn't we're know done you, here i didn't know you listen i didn't know you listened to them man i I like integrity. I don't like love them. And it was definitely like, I'll admit this. Like I saw the shirt and I was like, Oh, I fucking want that shirt. Uh, I think that there are bands that I like more than integrity that I don't have their shirts, but fucking something about that font is like, wait, which font? Cause they have like two different logos. They have like the one that is like, the kind of like schism lettering and then they have the one that's like this which is like the nirvana lettering yeah it is it is pretty nirvana yeah lettering um yeah but yeah it, so so we were we were talking about like 60s music and the, and the influence that you were kind of like reinvesting yourself in it seemed like because you know going back and like listening to ovens and then hearing confront the truth a lot of people when they only had distant dismissed as their like reference point were like, Whoa, what is, what is this? And it's like, this is a, this is a thing that ovens were doing a lot. Yeah. A long time ago. Yeah. And, um, and like kill the lights too is like, that was a full embrace of yeah. that sound. Right. Right. I mean, you just get bored. I mean, I grew to not like the Distant Dismissed record pretty fast. I I, I didn't like it. Uh, I think it just got kind of blown out of proportion. Uh, it got like really weird. Like, the, you know, that Needle Drop guy really liked it. And I was like, I don't want to ever make music that someone like that likes, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. So anything I could do, yeah. Like, it, dude, if you make music that, that, that someone like that likes, you fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... Because that dude is a fucking... Let me tell you something about that dude. Yo, what type of fucking psychotic, sociopath, wingnut, like, dickhead films themselves alone in their house talking about MP3s they downloaded? That's, you, gotta be a, you, gotta be, you gotta be a special type of lunatic to do something as... That's insane to me. Like, anyone who thinks to do that is nuts and not in a good way. Um, I mean, dude, John Wayne Gacy didn't even do shit like that. You know I, mean? <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like dude, a psychopath, like talking for parts of this podcast that are, are just me talking. I feel fucking crazy. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's like that, dude. I don't fuck with that, dude. I don't fuck with people like that. And you know, it's like no offense or anything. I mean, I just I grew up in underground music. People like that did it, you know, uh-huh. like I'm a person who comes from, you know, 20 years of DIY music. That shit's important to me because that's how I grew up. I owe my life to it in a lot of ways. And that shit is sick to me. Like that shit is actually cool. like ethics aside. I mean, that shit is just fucking cool. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what's not cool is this fucking what's not cool is. I mean, have you ever seen? I mean, look at that dude's fucking face. man. <laughs> and he's over there like reviewing punk records or anything like he knows anything about punk dude he's got like that 
shelf of records behind him. What records do you think are back there? I know it's back there. It's like he's got he's got like a 180 grand repress of Loveless, and he's got like a Frank Ocean record, and he's got like he, there there ain't shit back there. Uh-huh. Like, dude, I'd love for that dude to see my records. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not into like, dude. If you're gonna talk about music, you have to know about it first. Right. <laughs> you know, like totally. And I feel, like, yeah, dude. I it, it was interesting with Distant Dismiss because it it just caught, and I think that like watching you kind of not revert back, but really not like play into what that record was because I feel like Kill the Lights is is much 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 more of a continuation of an ovens record and i think that's what i like about it is just like the the sound of everybody playing on it because it feels yeah it feels collaborative it feels very like i don't know just very dialed in uh, talking, which one are you talking about? I'm talking about Kill the Lights. And just, I, I guess, like, oh, cool. yeah, everything yeah, yeah. that came, like, after Distant Dismissed, which was, it, it just seemed to be you following what was in your head. And, I mean, right, are you, are you playing with Ovens dudes on all that stuff? Um, AK from ovens he he usually plays on every record uh he definitely played on confront the truth uh wait did he hold on (laughs) (laughs) uh you know what confront the truth is mostly just me yeah but he's definitely on kill the lights um Ah, gosh. Yeah, he's on Kill the Lights for sure. But the thing is, is that some of the songs on Kill the Lights were recorded during the same sessions as Confront the Truth. So it's like, I get, you know, kind of confused with it. Yeah, sure. But but, uh, AK usually makes an appearance. Um, He was in Ovens. And uh, his brother, his brother, SK, he also plays on Kill the Lights. uh, The thing about Kill the Lights that makes it different is that's when I'm Jasper came into the fold and now me and him are like partners, you know, like I yeah. do all my records with Jasper now. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a big, that's a big part of how that record came to be. Like uh, that record wouldn't have came out if it wasn't for Jasper. You know? Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. Cause it was, yeah. it was in the liner notes, like thanks to Jasper for making yeah. this happen. And then I know that yeah. he recorded the toner record too. So how'd you meet Jasper? And yeah. I guess like what, what came of that? So he was, he went to the same college as one of my best friends, uh, my friend, Mike Harkin, who uh-huh. um, he would, he ran that label Catholic guilt records who put out some oven oh, stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And he was, he was in that band, um, uh, caged animal that I was in mm-hmm. and uh, he's old roommates with Jasper. And so I met Jasper through Mike and me and Jasper just hit it off with like talking about music and stuff. And we just, mm-hmm. we just talk about the same, um, we were just into the same stuff. Like he's obsessed with the stones and the Beatles and, you know, all, all the cool, you know, sixties and seventies stuff that I love. And um, I would just go kick it at his house in Berkeley. He's living, in, he lives in New York now. Um, mm-hmm. But um, he had like this cool house in Berkeley and he had like this whole, music room that he had like an eight track in there and a bunch of instruments and so i would just kick it with him and get hella faded with that dude and we would just record all night just for fun yeah. and so i would do demos there like oh here's a song i'd be i'm um, kicking around with and then he'd like be like oh cool let's like add some keys to this or like let's do that blah 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 and then basically like we were just doing that for the fun of it and then like uh by the time that like we had done like maybe like five songs or something. I was like, Whoa, should we make a record? And he's like, yeah. And so that, cause I, I didn't really plan on putting out another record or anything like that. Um, but once we had all those demos, um, it kind of seemed like, Whoa, we could like, actually make a record out of this. I mean, yeah, the demos are on the record. Like, um, the first song, nothing I can say that was done on his eight track. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that one song, uh, 
Give He Take You on the B-side. That was done on his 8-track. So those are demos. And uh, they made the record. And then we kind of put some arrangements together for some of the other ones. Like Jasper's theme is called Jasper's theme because he kind of helped me arrange that song. Yeah. Um, Afraid to Go Outside, he helped me arrange. And so basically we made that record together. And that's why it's so good because it's like I had him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good at the piano and things like that. So, and you know, he he did a bunch, man. He played drums on Jasper's theme. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of bass, a lot of tambourine. You know, all the Hammond organ that you hear, except I think AK played Hammond on one song. But yeah, I mean, so basically, ever since then, I was like, this is kind of my guy I, I've been looking for. You know? Yeah, dude, it it's so in the pocket of like where you were at and like. I think vocally that record too is it's certainly your best. Like the harmonies on Jasper's theme. Oh yeah. 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 I did the harmonies on that, but the harmonies on the first song, that's from smiles. That's me. Yeah. That I can't see. That's so good. He's got a great voice. Mm -hmm. That's, that's Manny. Um, yeah, I'm not really a harmony guy. <laughs> I don't know what I am. <laughs> well, I think that you write fantastic melodies too. And if you get if you get someone like behind that, like these are those are like some of your best vocal melodies, like far and away. Like wrong town, like ooh. Damn. Yeah, 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 Damn. yeah. Wrong. T- that was that one's on me, man. That one's on me. <laughs> yeah. That one we did that one. That one we did at Bart's. We did that one at Bart's. But Jasper played the little organ part at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even those songs that the kind of like acoustic ones that I mostly do by myself, even Jasper's on those. You know, like a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. He 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 just came and sit. I I did the, like those acoustic songs at, at Bart's studio, House of Faith. That's like the studio we do the healer stuff at and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a famous Bay Area studio. And, uh, oh, for real? He's, he's, he, oh, yeah. That's like the legendary spot. He's like the George Martin of the Bay, man. Oh, no. Why? I mean, yeah. He did all the, you know, plutocracy, no less, you know, all capitalist casualties, spas, uh-huh. um, agents of Satan, um, all these bands. But, you know, also bands like Hickey. He did a lot of the Hickey stuff. Um, Dude, that's cool. Yeah, I fucking so he, love those Hickey records. Me too, man. <laughs> I love Hickey, dude. Um, um always loved Hickey. <laughs> so, like when you were saying you, you you weren't you didn't think you were gonna do another record, was it just Distant Dismiss was like fuck this? Well, I just never really planned on it. I mean, basically the whole the whole I didn't. I'm not one of the I'm not one of those dickheads who just like is just like I'm a solo artist. This uh-huh. is my record, like my like i was working at a theater i was really broke um uh, a co-worker of mine lent me the money to to make this in this miss because i all i did was talk about how much i'd like had these songs i wanted to go record and i was bummed because uh you know i wanted that to be an ovens record and the ovens guys were so busy max in new york bone vegas ak was the only person who was around Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I'm making minimum wage. I'm working six days a week. I'm paying like $600 rent. Uh, is I just, you know, how am I going to fly these guys out here and then pay for the session? And I was right. kind of like, all right, well, I guess I got to do it solo or whatever. But I never planned on being a solo guy. I think once, um, <clears throat> I think once Dissonance uh, Mist kind of like blew up or whatever, um, then it was like when Slumberland, and was kind of like, hey, I want to like put out another record by you. And I was like, oh shit, I guess I have to make one. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I wanted to make a, a, always wanted to make a record for Slumberland because it's like a, a label that, you know, I grew up thinking was the coolest. You know, I mean, I definitely Dude, yeah. got Tyler it. You set, know. Like all uh, yeah, all, all that stuff, man. Like, I mean, I grew up, you know, that, I mean, in high school when I was <clears throat> kind of like when hardcore was still a thing and that was the band we were in and all that kind of stuff. And I was like discovering new stuff. There was like a lot of really cool pop stuff coming out of the Bay. I mean, I, I found about the Eilers set through the band Dear Nora, who I'm obsessed yeah. with still. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kate, Kate, Katie's first album, first Dear Nora album was recorded by Linton from the Eilers set. And so through, 
through Katie, I found out about Linton. And also, I didn't know she was in Ghost Sailor, who I also loved since I was a kid, you know, Ghost mm-hmm. Numbers, man. So, you know, like, I, I like, kind of like, and then I started, you know, buying the Isler set stuff and seeing the Slumberland logo on the back and then the Fortune Nice Bears collection came out and I heard that was cool on like live journal or something. So I bought that. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then, so, you know, and then through that, find, finding out about Sarah records and then getting into the Sarah stuff and, you know, finding like heavenly, who's like one of my all time, mm-hmm. all time favorite bands, mm-hmm. so, you know, finding all that stuff. when I was like 17, it was like huge, you know, it was like kind of a turning point for me because it's like, if I hadn't found that stuff, I really don't know if I would have learned kind of, uh, kind of pop music in a DIY aesthetic sort of thing. Like, um, because uh, I don't know what I'd be left with. I mean, I probably would have been listening. I would still listen to the Fastbacks and I would have still listened to Weezer, right? Yeah. But like, you know, those bands are pretty produced sounding. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Fastbacks, they, they would record albums at like Egg, which is a pretty like, pretty like basic 16 track studio. But, you know, those Fastbacks records have huge drums and, you know, they're not, it doesn't really have that lo-fi or sort of DIY-ness that, you know, a band like the Isler set have. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, or Boy Racer. You know, and just like, you know, exactly, you know, like that real, yeah, like, I mean, just like getting the, I think the first record Katie did for Dear Nora when she moved to the Bay was the New Year EP, which my friend Antonio played drums on. And that whole record was recorded on a Tascam 488, mm-hmm. which is like, wow, that's like really like a super basic, like, you know, cassette recorder, like, and that record sounds incredible. And I was like, wow. So there's like, because you go to like, when you're like 16, like when we were doing the first Ovens demos, we went to the studio where we recorded the Dystrophy stuff, which was our hardcore band at the time. Mm-hmm. And it just had that huge fake sounding Pro Tools drum sound. And that's like yeah. the go-to for these like digi- digital studios. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, man, like, I really don't like that drum sound. Like, I, I, like we would listen to like K Records bands and be like, oh, I really like the way like this, like the dub narcotic studio sound, which is like, you know, very minimal drums, kind of like in the lo-fi realm. Like there was this band called the Argo Summer Fun Band that I really loved back then. And mm-hmm. it was, um, it was Jen from the Softie was in it um shout out the softies shout out jen and uh i love the way their records sound i think calvin johnson recorded it and it was like really lo-fi and cool and it kind of opened my eyes up to like be like oh shit you could just like and it made the music sound better like mm-hmm. i always look at music in like two ways there's like there's like the Isler set kind of like that type of sound and then there's like shitty bullshit fucking Foo Fighters, Maroon 5, Pro Tools, yeah, fucking dickhead, like fake drums bullshit, you know? And mm-hmm. there is not a lot of in-between, man. You know, so like, yeah, you know, I learned to, rec- I learned to record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I-, I learned like recording aesthetic through, through that, you know? And it's funny because I-, I see shit people say about my records online, like, man, the drums sound like shit and they're buried and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's because I'm like trying to avoid that huge rock sound that, nowadays that shit is normal to people like diy bands have that huge drum sound now mm-hmm. and i'm just like this fucking blows like whoever recorded this did not do like this sucks if you got like a more normal like a cool sounding drum sound this shit would probably you know rule but yeah it sounds like digital fucking garbage to me it sounds like deathcore you know what i mean like <laughs> like sounds like fucking you know you know what i'm saying like you know like right one of those like you know it's like, it, yeah, are. it's it's large. It's like and and everything is just so perfectly placed. Yeah. Whereas you listen to those Eiler sets records and it's like cool. You just get a fucking feeling out of all of it. It feels like you're in the room. And I know yeah. and I know Linson recorded all of her stuff on like a like a half inch eight track and she did it all herself. And so like that was like, I was like, oh shit, this is bomb. You know, I, I, I got really into the idea of home record. Oh dude, you know who's also a big one? Was even though like musically, it's a little different from the kind of the stuff I like, but I've mm-hmm. always loved this. The, the microphones guy, man. Like, oh I yeah, thought, dude, I love the way that shit sounds. Yeah, I always thought he was like the king of like home recording and stuff. So I, I got into that dude big time around that time too. Because yeah. uh, my ex-girlfriend Cassie, uh, like 
she was really into the microphones and she was also really into like the old of Montreal stuff. And that mm-hmm. stuff is also like super home recorded. Yeah. All, all that like old elephant six stuff is like, you know, four track, eight track, reel to reel, like, you know, Olivia Tremor control. And, yeah, dude. And like neutral milk hotel where you yeah. just, well, I, I, here's the thing. All right. Hit me with it. <laughs> that's the worst. That's one of the worst bands I've ever heard in my life. Oh, it's so great. Ugh, dude, that's just fu- dude. It's like fucking Christian sea shanty music. Or <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love. I love that sound of that acoustic, just with the gain turned no, no. up so much. I think that me too. I think the recordings are incredible. The recordings yeah. are, are are incredible, and I'll never, I'll never uh, say like I'll never like, dude, for sure, for sure. It's just the dude's voice, dude. I'm like, yeah, dude. totally. I feel you, that. I mean, for that, sure. that, yeah, you, you, you know. It's, yeah. I think that I think that they're a band that like I've I've sold people on just like listen to the recording and and try not to get like overwhelmed by the dude. But if you're overwhelmed by the dude, then you're overwhelmed yeah. by the dude. There's there's no two ways about it. it. Yeah, I'm yeah. not gonna like argue like oh come on like get over it. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's hard to show people the Smashing Pumpkins guitars being as bomb as there. Because I always thought the Smashing Pumpkins guitar stuff was really cool. I cannot fucking stand that dude's voice, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, and it's just like, yeah, I can't deal with his voice, so I don't listen to that band, even though the guitar playing is fucking Dude, really, that really badass. One of um, my one of my legit favorite moments of, of recorded music, and I, I feel the same way about Smashing Pumpkins, but... When the when the strings cut out on on tonight tonight and it's just that arpeggio, just that oh. C chord, just da, na, na, na. Oh, right, God. right, 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 right. Sounds uh, dude, fucking that, beautiful. That, that dude's that dude's voice makes me want to fucking kill myself. Dude. I cannot <laughs> hang, dude. I cannot hang with that. He's like top. He's in my top worst voices. I think of all time. He's up there. He's definitely up there. It's uh, rough. It's rough. I I, I never really like get behind the uh, the the guys that sing with like five different voices that they just like shuffle between like line by line. Believe, like, believe. Yeah, yeah, dude. Nah, man, I can't hang with that at all. <laughs> no, what I was thinking, what I was thinking about, you were you were you were talking, and I was just like thinking about how funny it kind of is that. I think a lot of like the Tony Molina releases are, they all feel kind of accidental, you know, like embarrassing times was like little one-off tape that you did for an oven's record. And yeah. That's then- the first album, man. I'm trying to get that on wax, you know, and uh, it's hard to do because it was originally going, I got it mastered by my friend Forrest, who was in that band All That Soft with AK, legendary uh-huh. Bay Area hardcore band. He mastered those songs for vinyl in, like, when it was recorded, which was mm-hmm. 2008. Um, and so I had the master, like, buried away. And uh, I found it recently. And, uh, man, it doesn't, and because uh, there was talk about my friend uh, doing, like, putting out, like, 300 copies on wax or something yeah because i always wanted that one to come out you know and uh because mm-hmm. I, I actually really like that one you know it's one of my favorites of mine you know um mine too it, it, yeah like i was i yeah i always thought that one was i mean i think it's way better than like dismissed and shit like that but like um uh the master sounds kind of weird so now i don't really i i, I have the tape still which yeah. means i'd have to go to bart's studio and remix remix the whole record which would take days and that sounds like a nightmare but one of these days though i really hope that comes out even if it's just real limited vinyl i just want it on vinyl basically yeah i mean only time anyone's ever been able to listen to it is either on a shitty cassette tape or shitty mp3s you know yeah dude peels but, on uh, wheels dot yeah, com. That's, <laughs> yeah that's where yeah, i heard it's it still up, man. oh it, it is yeah man Fuck. i i still direct people to that because that it's funny like 
the links still do the links still work? Those links, links are like over still 10 years work. Old. Those links are wow. media fire links, and they still work. So there's like a, a magic that they didn't get uh, wiped off a of media fire. Right, I remember that. Like when they were just wiping everything, and that that kind of killed the blogs. On that was kind of cool when like you could just like when there would be hella blogs, and you could like download all types of wild shit. Remember that, yeah, dude? I do remember that. That's not really around anymore huh no and i feel i feel like yeah. what's gonna what's gonna start happening is there's going to be some some version of that i think is going to kind of reignite a little bit more of like the underground bands who are like trying to get press now but hopefully it gets like diverted to that sort of thing because that shit was exciting that was like you know i talk about blogs like sophie's floorboards and circling the train all the time where it was like you go and you check that shit every couple days to see what's up and you listen to everything yeah um aesop from hickey had a really good one called cosmic hearse and it was oh i know of cosmic hearse i didn't know that that was hickey that was aesop yeah yeah that one was great. It was all kinds of crazy, crazy metal shit. That was, that was, I used to check that blog every day at work, uh, at the book <laughs> and, uh, download all kinds of stuff. And then there was, um, I just remember there was really good indie pop ones. There was like ones that like had like every Sarah records release. And, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and there was some bomb sixties ones, like, like, you know, like total, like obscure Baroque, you know, psych pop from 67 type shit that you could find that you never heard yeah. of before. Dude, that's you know, what I, I, I was I, like. Yeah. And, and some great soul and some great soul ones too. Some oh, fuck. Yeah. Sick ass. Yeah. 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 I like what Numero but, group does with, with soul records. I think that they do a pretty dope job of like putting, putting a lot of shit into, into press for that. But like, yeah, I fucking, I wish dude, I had those what is soul the, ones. What is the deal with Numero group? What's up? What is the deal with Numero they started out putting out all this insane, like unreal soul shit, and now they're putting out fucking Indian Summer from the West Bay. Like what the <laughs> fuck? Like and like I think, so, yeah. Didn't they do Crim? Didn't they do Crim Shrine? They do. I fucking bought it, dude. <laughs> it's dude, uh, dude. It's just it's just random to me. It's just random. Yeah, I think it's, that it's they like, got. It's like, it's like you know what I mean. Yeah, they got somebody there who like uh, he must like come along later. Who's like Dude, it, all up in that? Because they 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 did that Husker Du box set. Which have you heard that? Yeah, it, Dude, it, it, to me, I was just like, did one of the guys die, and then his like son, his like pop punk <laughs> son, take it over or something? <laughs> He's like, ne- next we're doing a seven LP fifteen box. It's mm-hmm. like, oh no. <laughs> I wish they would fucking just take over the entire SST catalog because I would love to hear that shit. I would love for a single artist of SST to get paid once. Yeah. Prick. Mm-hmm. Dude, Greg Kinn, holy shit. I can't put Dude, that's fucking... Man, that's really bad. He's like the first Spotify dude, man. <laughs> the Spotify is. guy like gets rich and doesn't pay anybody. <laughs> Greg Ginn did it first. <laughs> Last time I saw you, you told me a story that I, if you'd like to tell it here on the podcast for the people, um, I personally love to hear it again, but um, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Uh, the story you told me about being in Dayton. Oh, yeah. Big time, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> of course, man. I love that. So last TMV tour, which was last summer, summer 2019, uh we were playing in detroit and then we had a few days off and so um we have a really good friend of ours named sarah t from the bay shout out sarah t all day and she had just moved to cincinnati and our friend kevin he also lived there uh they, mm-hmm. they had a house over there and so she's an old friend of ours and so garrett was like you know what we should do on our day off man we should kick it in dayton for the day and then just play like some small bar in Cincinnati. Yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude, let's do some dating shit. So we, we got up uh, from Detroit and we just straight up drove to Dayton. We bought like some beers 
And we were like, fuck yeah, we're about to do some Dayton sightseeing, you know? And so, yeah, we, we get into Dayton. The first thing we do is we hit up the drive through liquor store. Like, you know, in the documentary when they, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? We I put- do. For the people at home, the Guided by Voices documentary. That's why we're in Dayton. The drive through yeah, 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 yeah. liquor um, store. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, uh, the Watch Me Jumpstart documentary. Um, so we pull in a date. We even had like one of those little American flags and we put it on the car. Just like, <laughs> we were some nerds, dude, you know? <laughs> and this is, this is before you, you know, you couldn't rock an American flag. Now, well, in Dayton, I'm sure you can. And people yeah. would be like, yeah. <laughs> but like, um, and so we go through the, we go through the drive-thru and we, we specifically only buy the GBV beer, which is, I think we got Bud Light. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, got a case of Bud Light. We drove over to Needmore Street, um, which is like, you know, one of the blocks they grew up on. And there's like, you know, they were called the Needmores at one point, And then their publishing company is called Needmore Songs. Right. Mm-hmm. So we went to Needmore Street, posted up there, you know, pounded a beer, got back in the van. Then we went to Titus Avenue and uh, we're kicking it on Titus. We went to Bob's Childhood Home. Uh, took some pictures outside of that. We were just posted up on Titus Avenue, man, drinking beers, having a ball. Mm-hmm. It was it was great. We were so stoked, and um, we were like, "Man, this is this is awesome!" It, and it felt really weird and eerie. There was like a weird feeling in the air. I'm serious. It, it was it was really strange. And uh, but we were just really stoked and just to be there. And we took a bunch of pictures. You know, we had like a Sam bought all these like disposable uh, uh, cameras for the tour and. Uh, and then we're like, all right, the last stop, we're going to go to their pizza place, the um, Marion's. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where they kick it at, you know? And, and we're just like, we're just going to order a couple pictures there, maybe like eat some pizza, and then we're going to go to Cincinnati. No big deal, right? Mm-hmm. So we park, the, we get to the pizza place, we park the, the van, we walk in, and immediately we see directly to my right, dude, like right there, the entire band is there. The entire band. <laughs> Doug Gillard, everybody. Bob, Doug Gillard, everyone. Bobby Bear like Jr. New- Shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, like that the, the new guy who plays bass, like that dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Mark or something? I don't know. Anyways, they were all there. And we were like, oh, when we flipped out. We were like, Whoa, oh, my God, what do we do, you know? Like, I think Steve-O walked in and he just immediately walked out. He was like, I can't, I can't, man, I can't. It was just so weird. We, we were, like, so nervous, man. We were, like, shaking, dude. And they were like, all right, no, 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 no. Be cool. Don't say anything. Don't look over there. Let's just get a table and, and you know, leave these guys alone, you know. Um, let's just do what we came here for. And so, you know, we're sitting uh, a few tables away from them. You know, I have my back to them, but we could hear them talking. And it was incredible. Like, we could hear their conversation at one point. Bob is talking shit about Modest Mouse. And I was like, this is the best day. I was like, this is the best day of my life. Because I fucking hate Modest Mouse, you know? And here's like my hero, you know? Like yeah. the reason why I'm there on tour, the reason I'm in a band is like mm-hmm. this dude right here, you know? And uh, he's clowning on Modest Mouse. I'm like, oh my God, this is the best. And they're like, what do we do? Should we say hi? I'm like, nah, man, be cool, be cool. Don't say anything, you know? And then, uh, and so we order some pictures or whatever. We're like drinking some beers, just chilling like trying to pretend that they're not behind us trying to pretend we're chilling uh you know a couple people like you know peeking a little bit over there mm-hmm. and uh, we're like oh man and then so so uh basically what happens is like garrett comes up with this game plan he's like i know what we're gonna do we're gonna buy them some pictures man because they were they just had like pictures on pictures at the table they were uh-huh. like just drinking they were just drinking miller light man and uh so he's like that's what we're going to do. He's like, like, uh, he's like, he's like, Steve-O, you go over there and you, you ask, be like, hey, hey, fellas, don't want to bother you. Just want to know if we can get your next round. And uh, steve was like, I can't. He's like, I can't do it, man. I can't. Like, Steve-O punked out. <laughs> and, but luckily, Garrett was there because Garrett's a bartender. So Garrett knows how to, like, deal with people. Yeah. And, uh, and like, you know. Uh, he's a very social person or whatever. So Garrett, um, he was like, I got this. And he walked over to the table and we were like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, heads down. <laughs> and then they were like, they were like, they were like, he was like, yo, can I get your next round? And they were like, sure, man. And then so basically he went over and he got the pictures for them, brought them to the table. And then they called us all over to the table and we we're like, oh shit. So we get up and we walk over to the table 
and they're just like, hey, boys, thanks for the beers. We'll drink them. And they were like, oh, oh shit. And he's like, he's like, what are y'all? And he's like, what are y'all doing in Dayton? You guys aren't from here, you know? And we were like, yeah, we're, uh, we're a band. He's like, you guys are a band, huh? We're like, yeah, like heads down. Like, <laughs> we're like, yeah, we're a band. And he's like, and um, he was like, yeah, you know, I was just talking to these guys. Bob says, he immediately clowns us. He goes, I was just make, I was just making fun of you guys <laughs> to, to these guys. He's like, I was like, look, is that our opening band right there? You know? And, uh, and then it was just like, yeah, we stopped in Dayton to do some sightseeing. And we went to Titus Avenue, went to Needmore Street. Was, you know, we went to all these places uh, in Northridge or whatever. And then, and then Doug Giller was like, wow, you guys really know your stuff, man. And, and it was like, and it was cool. They were super nice. And they're like, and here's the thing. Uh, Jasper was wearing a pair of Uber shirt. So uh-huh. Bob was like, I like this guy right here. He's yeah, a pair of Uber for shirt. real. And then Jasper like melted, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's like the right shirt to wear in front of that dude. You know dude, what I mean? Totally. And, uh, and, um, uh, and then it was cool, and then um, humored us for a bit, and then we went back to our table. And we were like, "Wow, I can't believe that happened," you know. And then, uh, uh, and uh, and then after that, it was uh, um, we're just sitting there chilling, and then Bob comes over to our table, man, and he's like, "I want to thank you fellas again for the beers, man." He's like, "What do you guys think about this place?" We're like, "Oh man, it's cool, man." He's like, "You guys probably think I." You guys probably think I hang out here every day, huh? Like no- he's like, he's like, he's like, because I got nothing fucking better to do, huh? That's what you guys think, and we're just, we're just like, dude, we don't think anything, man. He's like, he's like, no, man, I haven't been here in like six months. I swear to God, you guys caught me on the one day I've been here in like a year or something like that, man. And we're like, okay, dude, you know. And then, and then, so they had this, you know, how like Italian restaurants and like pizza places will have like the wall, and it has like pictures of like. Francis Ford Coppola and like, right. uh, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, totally. uh, you know, like, uh, De Niro and stuff like that. They have a, they have a wall like that there. And he goes, you see that, you guys see that wall over there? You were like, yeah. He's like, you know, back in the day I brought in the guided by voices picture and I put it on that, that wall, man. And I, I, I didn't think anyone was going to notice. And so I put it on the wall. Next time I came in, they took it down. I was like, man, they don't give a fuck about me, man. They don't give a shit about me. And I was, we were just like, Oh shit. <laughs> And then he was like, he's like, so where, where are you guys playing next? We're like, uh, we're playing Cincinnati tonight. He's like, oh, we're playing Cincinnati tomorrow, man. And uh, he was like, so I guess they were starting a tour, and that was their, like their like band meeting or whatever before the tour started. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and that was the first stop for them to Cincinnati, but it was the next day. And he was like, all right, so you got you boys getting tuned up before before because that's what we do. Uh-huh. He was like, you know, drink drinking before you you know play. And we were like, yeah, man. And he was like, all right. And he grabs Steve-O, like by his uh by his shoulders like this and gives him a little and then he's like all right i'm gonna go take a piss and then he just goes to the bathroom and we're like oh my fucking god that was that was the craziest shit ever man and he's he was great man he was super cool he was just kicking with us and really cool dude and uh yeah and then and then dude here's the thing we we were like still shaking like kind of like just like really shocked i mean granted it probably isn't that shocking to run into them there (laughs) You know what I mean? But yeah, like, it's pretty wild, though. Like, I mean, I, th- I think the whole man being there is like definitely like a, a yeah. thing for sure. Um, but yeah, the timing is crazy. And then so we were so stoked. Like, we get in the van and we're like, fuck yeah. And we were just blasting GBV and we were so excited that we accidentally drove to Columbus instead of Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man for real that happened and then we're like oh shit we're in columbus so we so that yeah so then we get back in the van and then drive to columbus or i'm sorry cincinnati and we got to cincinnati at like 11 p.m and like uh, we got there like i don't know like 15 minutes before we had to play but it's still like one, one of the best days of my whole life it was it was the best man it was the craziest thing man fucking yeah incredible i think when you told me that story it it probably took like 45 minutes but yeah 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 yeah. because i was so stoked man i mean i I mean i I was yeah for the rest of that tour i was like in awe like i was like i like i can't believe that happened you know like what are the odds like and uh it was just so cool man it was like some 
It was like, it, yeah, it was really, really sick. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it took me a long time to tell the story because I was still like pretty like amazed. You were, yeah. you were showing me pictures of on yeah. your phone. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, look, you have yeah. to look. <laughs> He's right yeah, there. Well, there's the one picture, like uh, I'm wearing like a, like I hate God, like long sleeve. And you uh-huh. can see my elbow and they're like right behind me and shit. <laughs> And when I got home, when I got home from tour, I didn't really have my shit together. My boss came in. I was like, oh, shit, maybe my boss mm-hmm. is going to uh, be on my case or something. I don't know. And uh, so I go back to the boat and uh, come to find out my boss is a humongous guy to my voices fan. And I never knew that. But uh-huh. he's like, he's like obsessed. Like he's one of those guys who goes up to that fest they have out there every year. Or Yeah. I can't remember what it's called, but um, he's like one of those crazy GDV fanatic guys. So I told him the story and I showed him the pictures. And then all of a sudden I'm on, I'm like super tight with my boss now, you know, which is always, which is always good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it like broke the ice. He was like, all right, Tony's cool now, you know, Tony's, Tony's like one of, he's like me, man. You know? Yeah. So yeah, it's that. Yeah, man. I'll never forget that, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Dude, hell yeah. Still got, still got the photos too. Still got all the photos. Fucking so. right. Dude, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much for for coming on the pod. Fucking last minute, it's uh, it's a goddamn pleasure. And you know what, dude, you're you're going in class of 2020, better yet, Hall of Fame, Tony Molina, right here. Oh yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> let me plug, let me plug something real quick though. Yeah, do it. Uh, yeah, couple couple releases coming out. Um, uh, Rose Melberg, Tony Molina, uh, split live take coming soon on uh 650 tapes and smoking oh, yeah. room it'll be coming soon it's pretty limited it's a live show that me and rose did uh last year in sf and it's it's just a live recording like from the board that's coming out uh rose has said is incredible mine not so much um <laughs> also carlos from healer carlos cruz he's putting out uh his first lp with his project called cruz um i'm doing the tape version of it and uh sam and some of the other like healer homies are, are, are putting out that LP. That's mm-hmm. going to be a great release uh, for next year. And uh, what's it again? What, what's the name of it again? You you kind of cut Cruise. out for a second. It's just uh, called Cruise. Cruise. Yeah. The album's called Low and Slow. And awesome. It's great. It's great. He recorded the whole thing by himself on an old tape machine. It's super heavy, super cool, very dinosaur influenced. Um, mm. And so, yeah, that, that's a big one for us. And, uh, Healer 7 inch on 625. That's available everywhere. Um, and uh, and one other thing. Oh, yeah. Now I'm going to finish my LP uh, come January. So there's some, there's some more releases coming out, man. Yeah. And my oh, boy yeah. Satan from Healer, man, he started a new label and he's got a bunch of really sick, sick underground shit coming out. He's got a tape from this band called Malandro, which is like a Latino um, drum, drum and bass uh, duo, uh, like grind violence band. That's coming out soon on yeah and then also all the west bay all day stuff um mm. so with the west bay coalition stuff so there's tons of projects coming out man everyone keep an eye out for that shit real underground shit no sellout fucking dickhead social media bullshit bro hell yeah <laughs> yeah thanks again dude yeah of course man all right bubbles thank you for joining us this week check out tony molina online tony molina 650.bandcamp.com peels on wheels.blogspot.com betteryappod.com betteryappodcast.bandcamp.com pledge with the show patreon.com slash betteryappodcast we'll see you next week thank you friends <laughs>